0: God, man, good
1: morning. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It's your father-daughter news show, where we're going to uh, argue about things we care about and get. And it's good news. Good news Tuesday. So Roger's going to cover all the good stuff happening, and I'm just going to cover the stuff that's happening.
0: <laughs> Nothing good news today.
1: Yeah, well, not for me, but for him. He's going to have good news for you. <laughs> So let's go ahead and get started with our good news. All right. Today on Before Coffee Croatian police looking for 10 handball players from Burundi missing from competition. And uh,
0: Donald J. Trump. J. Trump. Wait, the wait, J. wait, 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 wait. What? What? No, no audio. you can
1: go. No, you can go. Okay.
0: Donald T. Trump. The J for jumpsuit.
1: Rob's <laughs> in hiding at home. The Ukrainian man trying to avoid conscription.
0: And more good twos news day. A hey, Montana youth wins a climate lawsuit against the state for favoring fossil fuels.
1: EU denies reports reports and has rejected the U.K. deal to return people who cross the channel.
0: And in more good news Tuesday, New National Monument spans 1 million sacred acres linking Indian Reservation to the Grand Canyon. Today, on August 15th, Indictment Day, 2023, before coffee.
1: Oh. Alright, first news story. We've got missing handball players in Croatia. This is from Lorenzo Tondo on The Guardian. Police in Croatia are looking for 10 young handball players from Burundi who have disappeared before a world championship match. That's a suspicious. The Primorji Gorski-Kotar County Police Department said efforts are underway to locate the players and determine the facts of their disappearance. According to information available, the players were born in 2006 and had been staying at the Rijeka Student Center, which they left on August 9th. Police said the players had not returned their calls since. A statement from the Croatian police said, the police have received a notification about the absence of the Burundian citizens who are participating in the World Championships for Cadets. On Wednesday around 15, uh, about 15, they left in an unknown direction. Measures and actions are being taken to find the missing handball players and establish the relevant facts and circumstances of their disappearance. The Croatian Handball Federation said that before the match with the ba- ba- Bahrain, the players left the campus without permission of their technical staff. The president of Burundi Handball Federation, Dauphin Nikobamye, said they are in shock. Both we as a federation and the parents of these young players ask all those who can help us find them, he told the press. I don't know how well we can return home without them. According to media reports, the players have, in, have planned their escape using their visas to seek asylum in Europe. Ooh, it was all part of their plan. Join a handball team and then never leave. In 2019, two Nigerian student table tennis players were wrongly deported to Bosnia by Croatian police, who mistook them from undocumented migrants. They had regular visas granted them permission to be in Croatia at the time of their detention. But police did not believe them and forcibly sent them to Bosnia without verifying their status. That day, Croatian authorities had intercepted a group of people attempting to cross the border with Bosnian and Herzegovina. Police in Croatia denied any wrongdoings and raised doubts over the table tennis players' intentions. According to the police, another Nigerian who participated in the championship had attempted to cross the border with Slovenia from Croatia a few days before. So, for some reason, a lot of these... Uh, tournaments happen to be in Croatia, and a lot of these uh, sports people use Croatia as their dump, their springboard, you could say, into not going back to their country. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what the problems are in Burundi at right now, but it must not be good if a bunch of. It's probably just a bunch of. You know, what is it? 2006, so om- om- almost 20 year olds almost 20-year-olds who just want to, like, get out. They see more opportunities that isn't playing handball, right, in Europe for them, perhaps. And so they want to just, you know, I want to become a lawyer. I could never become a lawyer in Burundi, but I can become a lawyer in, I don't know, freaking Germany or something. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But, uh, that's my short first story about uh, the handball players have gone missing and I kind of hope they don't find them.
0: <laughs> yeah. As long as they're not, they're not missing, missing handball players. No, they're <laughs> missing My hand. hands are
1: missing, a- yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How do you I play do- without hands? <laughs> <laughs> the missing handball. It sounds like a new sport. All right, good Tuesday news day. We have re-indicted because it feels so good. I know, that's- I stole that from Keith Olmer, man. I Could have just done the devil went down to Georgia right that fits <laughs> somebody ought somebody ought to just remake those lyrics. I think somebody has right
1: already or yeah.
0: maybe maybe Lizzie Borden lyrics because this is forty one counts of uh forty one different counts here it says but we'll do the story instead. we'll just do the story news it says here uh Trump Indicted in Georgia Ex-President Accused of Leading Push to Overturn 2020 Vote We're going to start the story with the headlines for the New York Times But we're just going to read We're just going to read the indictments And we're going to read the names on the indictments So, here are the lists of the people's indicted yesterday Along with Donald J. Trump Some of these names you know Rudy Giuliani John Eastman Mark Meadows Kenneth Cheeseborough Jeffrey Clark Jenna Ellis Now the names you may not have ever heard before Ray Stalling Smith III Robert David Cheely Michael Roman David Schaefer Sean Micah Thresher Still Stephen or Stephen Cliffguard Lee Harrison William Prescott Floyd Oh boy, there's a... Ten dollar name right there, huh? Harrison, William, Prescott, Floyd. Where'd you go to get that name? Tight, tra, Travian Kuti, Travian, Travian Kuti. Sydney Powell. We've heard that name. Kathleen As Alston Latham, Scott Graham Hall, and Misty Latham, aka Emily Misty Hayes. Those eighteen people, along with Donald Trump, have been indicted. The indictments that. Donald Trump is facing. <clears throat> There's over a dozen.
1: Over violation a dozen. Of,
0: Violation of Georgia RICO, which is the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. So Georgia has their own RICO Act, which basically covers multi-layered, multi-state conspiracies. Ha <laughs> ha. Solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. Conspiracy to commit per impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements in writing, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements or writings, filing false documents, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, false statements and writings, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, another count of that, and false statements in writing. Yes. Trump and the other defendants charged with the indictment refused to accept that Trump lost and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome. Of the election in the favor of Trump. Prosecutors royed in the indictment. Mr. Trump, who's running again for a presidential nomination, 24 early favor to win a Republican nomination, has now been indicted in four separate investigations. Let's count them up. New York. We got the federal case in Florida, federal case in D.C., and now a state case in Georgia. And the state case, which is interesting, the governor can't just pardon him. It has to go through a pardons board. <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of trapped if he's convicted. He's going kind of like, I'm going to jail. And uh, imagine the president of the United States if he gets elected, he's got to stay in jail in Georgia, and nobody's going to pardon him. Oh, you always want to make a comedy show out of it. Anyway, there's nothing but indictment hysteria in America. Trump immediately went out and threatened the first witness he knew of, Immediately almost immediately. So. A lot of people are expecting this state judge who don't give a fuck. Pl- clearly don't give a fuck, because it's a state judge. Doesn't give a fuck about, oh, no, it's going to appeal to the Supreme Court, blah, blah, blah. He's going to like, no. We're going to lock your ass up if you don't shut your mouth. All right, you're sorry.
1: Who cannot lock if you don't shut your mouth? Okay. No
0: threatening witnesses, you can't do that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Gag orders are
0: not new and uh, protection orders are not new and keeping people without bail is not new because the guy in the documents case in the Pentagon is still being held without bail and he's nowhere near as dangerous as old Diaper Donnie there.
1: (laughs) Diaper Donnie. Okay.
0: He wears diapers. In more corruption
1: news, bribes and hiding at home. That's right. A lot of Ukrainian men are trying to avoid conscription as their country is being invaded by Russians by doing whatever they can. This is from Sean Walker in Odessa and Jamie Wilson. At the last military checkpoint before he exited Ukraine in April, a 39 year old man from Odessa handed over papers showing he had a serious spinal injury, thus exempting him from military service and from the ban on adult men leaving the country. One of the soldiers said, "'That hospital really likes its diagnosis, huh?' recalled the man. "'I could see that I knew exactly what was going on, "'and it wasn't the first time, "'but they were powerless to do anything, "'so waved me through,' he said. The man, who asked for anonymity to discuss the matter, "'admitted that he had paid $5,000 bribe "'to escape a potential draft into the Ukrainian army "'and service on the front lines in the war with Russia. "'I knew there was no way I would be able to sit in a trench. So I took my savings and contacted a fixer. What is this, cyberpunk? Everyone knows where to find them. I paid in cash. They sent me to the hospital to do a spinal MRI. The hospital gave me a medical report claiming I had a major spinal defect, and with that I could get papers allowing me to leave the country. I had the feeling that at every stage of the way, people knew what was happening and were were getting a cut," said the man. The whole process took two weeks the man was able to leave ukraine and now lives elsewhere in europe i believe it it is believed that tens of thousands of ukrainian men have left the country illegally since the full-scale war with russia started last february many by paying bribes on friday the ukrainian president vladimir Zelensky fired every regional military recruitment head in the country signing endemic corruption in the apparatus this system should be run by people who know exactly what war is and why cynicism and bribery during war is treason, he said in a video address. Odessa has emerged as a particular hotspot for draft evasion schemes, with a recruitment official arrested after he was found to have $5 million in savings and a lavish property in Spain. It's like, I'll give you my apartment in Spain if you can let me, uh, leave the country. Across Ukraine, there are reports of corrupt officials willing to take bribes from people eager to buy their way out of the draft. There are more than a hundred other criminal proceedings against enlistment officials. The cynicism is the same everywhere, Zelensky said on Friday. Illicit enrichment, legalization of illegally obtained funds, unlawful benefit, illegal transfer of persons liable for military service across the border. While the corruption scandal has made headlines, it hits an even more troubling story for Ukraine as the country approaches the 18th month mark since Vladimir Putin's full-scale invasion. In the first weeks after the invasion, hundreds of thousands of ordinary Ukrainians volunteered to serve at the front line in an explosion of patriotism that helped people keep the country independent and fight off the initial attack. More than a year later, however, many of these initial recruits are now dead wounded, or simply exhausted, and the army needs new recruits to fill the ranks. By now, most of those who want to fight have already signed up, leaving the military to recruit among as much as more reluctant pool of men. Fathers of more than three children, people with dis- disabilities, and those working in strategically important jobs are exempt from the draft, but everyone else is expected to join up if called. Crews of mobilization officers roam the street and sometimes go door to door to hand out notices. Viral videos show officers building men bundling men into vans to deposit them at an enlistment office. Some Ukrainian men say they do not relish receiving mobilization papers, but would accept it if called, as part of life in the country at war, but others are desperate to avoid receiving draft papers, and not everyone can afford $5,000 bribes. In Odessa, like in most Ukrainian cities, a telegram chat group serves as a forum for people to share anonymized data about where recruitment officers known informally as Olives due to the color of their uniforms, can be found on any given day. The group has more than 30,000 members. Every few minutes a new tip-off drops. Just Street, 37. The olives have arrived. There's a bus of olives outside the market. Six olives walking around inside handing out papers. Other people simply stay at home. A factory owner in eastern Ukraine said the threat of being grabbed by conscription officers on the morning commute meant some workers were scared to go to work. He said, I met a guy who told me he would taken from the street within a week. His unit was starting to attack a village near Bakhmut, and he told me, what the fuck? Is this the first time I've picked up a rifle after a week I go to attack this village? He was shot twice, once in the arm and once in the back. Mobilized recruits receive several weeks of training before being sent to the front. Many are sent to Britain for brief courses and essentials of frontline combat, although the training often appears to be rudimentary. In Lviv, one man who was served with mobilization papers outside a supermarket in the city said he was conscripted, sent to Britain for training, dispatched the front line, and then wounded all within a two-month time span. The stakes have left many people reluctant to comply with mobilization calls, and those who received the initial set of papers often lock themselves away to avoid being dragged to recruitment offices. I mean, it makes sense. We're, you know, some, some people... Well, we're kind of in the... Yeah quick gratification era of time. Oh, something's playing in the background. We're kind of in the quick gratification era. You know, people want the war to be done already. Come on, I'm bored. Next thing, you know. That's not how wars work. You don't just uh, quickly finish a war because you want it to be done. A lot of people are in denial that they'll have to fight for their home Uh, Of course, I'm one to talk. I'm a woman. Women aren't being recruited, you know, because they make Mm. babies. Not that those children will be available for a war until like 18 years from now, but... (laughs) You know, it's a... There are two categories of people. One is already in the army and the other is too scared to go outside so as not to be conscripted. And no salary will make them leave their house, said the factory owner. One young woman, who, like most people when speaking about mobilization, requested to remain anonymous, recalled a scene in Kiev earlier in the summer at a nightclub in the capital. A few minutes after 10 p.m., when bars and clubs are required by law to close during wartime, the club was raided by armed men in uniform, who told the women to leave. Then they handed all the men conscription notices. My husband has an important job for his company, so he has an exemption, but my visiting friend did not and he was terrified. He has gone back to a small town and has been sitting at home, scared to go out ever since. Many Ukrainians who have been serving since the start of the war, since the start of the war, see avoiding the draft as nothing short of tre- treasonous. The country's political leadership said it recognized the mobilization process was difficult and wants to avoid excess zeal and recruitment, but said Ukraine had little choice but to continue conscription if the army is to stand up to Russia, which has mobilized hundreds and thousands of men since the start of the war. And, yeah, they're not getting any troops. There are some people from Germany and I think probably even the U.S. who have volunteered to help. But for the most part, they have to rely on their own population. There's no, you know, French army coming to help them Mm -hmm. down the line. Unless Russia wins and starts invading, like, Finland, you know,
0: then there's going to be an army. Alternatively, if Russia just takes over their town they're going to get drafted too into the Russian army and they yeah. even you're a Russian citizen and you're drafted congratulations
1: that's <laughs> the end of my story
0: the new career and the dodging bullets <laughs> <laughs> is it my turn? yes or no? my turn? yes
1: I said that was okay
0: my mine <laughs> Being good to his news day what? it's fine All right, and good news, news day. Montana youth win. This is from ABC News. That's why you heard somebody talking a minute ago because their video started. Just story's been open for ten minutes. (laughs) The video starts uh, unprompted. No, okay. I don't even know where that noise is coming from. To find the video. Uh, Anyway, Montana youth win climate lawsuit against state for promoting fossil fuels. This is from ABC News reporter. Er Stephanie Ebbs and Teddy Grant. A group argued The group argued the state failed to protect their right to a clean environment. A group of young people from Montana won a major case on Monday after arguing the state failed to protect their right to a clean environment by continuing to use fossil fuels. The ruling determined that the provision of montana's environmental protection act violated the right to clean environment which is guaranteed under montana's state constitution by promoting the continued use of fossil fuels the court said the provision of the law to prevent the state from considering the climate impacts of energy policies is unconstitutional thank you in a sweeping win for our clients the honorable judge kathy seeley declared the montana's fossil fuel promoting laws unconstitutionally and enjoying their implementation. Julia Olson, Chief Legal Counselor and Executive Director for Our Children's Trust said in a statement, 16 Montana youths between the ages of 5 and 22 sued the state, the governor, the Montana Department of Environmental Quality, the state's public commission office, and other state departments in 2020 over Montana's fossil fuel-based energy system, citing scientific evidence that burning fossil fuels is contributing to global warming that already causes them harm, according to the lawsuit. The judge's order cited the scientific facts presented by expert witnesses that there is overwhelming scientific consensus that Earth is warming as a direct result of greenhouse gas emissions, primarily from burning fossil fuels. It is also laid out evidence that Montana's temperatures are expected to increase and that the increased impacts of climate change, such as heat waves, heat adverse impacts on young people's mental health and quality of life. Judge Kathy Seeley wrote that Montanans have a fundamental constitutional right to clean and healthful environment, which includes climate as part of the environmental life support system. Youth plaintiffs had experienced past and ongoing injuries resulting from the state's failure to consider greenhouse gas emissions and climate change, including injuries to their physical and mental health, homes and property, recreational, spiritual, and aesthetic interests, tribal and cultural traditions, and economic security and happiness. This decision is based on a unique provision in the Montana Constitution that guarantees citizens a quote clean and healthful environment. At least three other states, Pennsylvania, New York, and Hawaii have similar constitutional language. There are similar challenges underway in those states, and Montana's decision will likely be appealed. Effective immediately, Montana officials will be required to consider the impacts of greenhouse gas emissions when making decisions for oil, gas, coal, and other energy permitting. Currently, state law forbids that president considering these impacts. So state laws is in, in uh, direct conflict with their own constitution. Montana officials said during the trial that in June, that if the plaintiffs won their case, it would not change approvals for fossil fuel projects, according to Associated Press. We do not have the authority to not permit something that fully with the law, complies with the law," Department of Environmental Quality Director Chris Darlington said, according to the AP. "We are the ones that implement the law. We are the we are not the ones that create the law," said the bureaucrat. As fires rage in Westfield in the west fueled by fossil fuel pollution today's ruling in montana is a game changer that marks a turning point in a generations efforts to save the planet from the devastating effects of the human caused climate chaos also said in a statement this is a huge win for montana for youth democracy and our climate more rulings like this will will certainly come Another youth climate case against the Hawaii Department of Transportation is scheduled to go on trial in Hawaii next summer. Your story.
1: This reminds me a lot of, uh, I can't remember which state it was, but there's a state when Medicaid passed, Obamacare passed, they, they put in their constitution, the government cannot force you to do any procedures and cannot do this, that, that, Right. And then later they tried to pass a law against, a transphobic law against trans people, saying uh, we can force you to not take gender assignment surgery, we can control that, you can do it or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. everyone was like, aha, but in your constitution you said the government has no control over telling me what I can do with my body. Mm -hmm. Isn't that convenient for me? (laughs) It's like you have to follow your own God's constitution, that's why you wrote it
0: how ironical it's like the people that uh passed these uh remember sharia law we're not gonna we're gonna outlaw sharia law sharia law which nobody knows what the hell that means they just knew it sounded foreign and in the south in the south they went passed a whole bunch of laws that said sharia law is not gonna pass our-. well now what they do is they they excluded their own religion from making laws too so good for you <laughs> You made a religion, yeah. not a determinant, and determining a lot. Good, good for you, it, Southerners. Good sometimes it just
1: works out that you way. finally got it. it. Yeah. yeah, but
0: they probably won't follow it. They probably won't follow it. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking you, of scary sorry. foreigners, uh, the EU is denying reports has rejected the UK deal to return people who cross the Channel. This is from Ben Quinn, the political correspondent at the Guardian. The EU has rejected reports that it is not open to a new deal with the UK on returning people who have crossed the channel, after a leak of purported discussion between London and Brussels. A leaked copy of a memo on discussions with the UK's National Security Advisor, Sir Tim Barrow, was reported to have included mention of an aid to the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, ruling out a post-Brexit returns agreement. Vanderlea's aide, Bjorn Siebert, reportedly said in the memo that the Commission is not open to a UK EU readmission agreement. However, a spokesperson for the Commission denied Siebert had said what was attributed to him in the memo, which was reported by the Daily Mail and the Times to propaganda papers. We have checked <laughs> Mr. Siebert did not say that the commission's spokesperson said who asked about the memo. When asked on Tuesday morning about the reports and whether any refusal by the EU represented a setback, the UK Health Minister Will Quinn said government was taking a range of steps to quell illegal migration and one could not be taken in isolation. This is a hugely complex and challenging issue and one the Prime Minister has put as part of his five priorities and I know he and his Home Secretary are determined to address it and stop the boats, he told Sky News. Don't stop all the boats though because otherwise you don't get any imports as health minister i won't be won't have any oh wait as a health minister i won't have been over any details of the negotiations with the european union But if you look at the details of the discussion we have with turkey with albania and indeed with the french they're starting to bear fruit and there's then more widely if you look at the deterrent factor again this is making a difference. Okay, so they're not talking the European Union, but they're talking to everybody else. While the UK has reached bilateral agreements, including recent deal with Turkey, to disrupt people smuggling gangs and tackle illegal migration, the UK is no longer part of return agreements between the EU and 24 other countries after Brexit. Hmm. Yeah, Brexit sure did help that migration issue, didn't it? Rishi Sunak has pushed for bilateral return agreements with France, but Emmanuel Macron has said any deal must be at the EU level. Get fucked. Uh, The French president made clear during a a UK-France summit in March that any return mechanisms would not be an agreement between the UK and France, but an agreement between the UK and the EU. While Sunak has continued to lobby other European leaders within the confines of the meeting available to him, including the gathering of the European Political Committee in Moldova in June, he has faced increasing pressure from his backbenchers to take a different approach. Like how we talked about they might just abandon the European Basics. human rights provision and just decide human don't have rights anymore, at least if you're British. So, <laughs> they might decide to do that. One such MP, MP Danny Kruger, told the Mail, We have now tried legal efforts, technical fixes, and international diplomacy in an attempt to stop the boats within the confines of the European human rights law. If the EU won't consider a returns agreement, we will have no choice but to take back full control of our legal sovereignty. Okay, cool. Just some more populist talking points there. And, uh, well... Our well, legal sovereignty! Yeah, we already have it, dude the yeah. EU is not letting us do things yeah welcome to Perse- life other countries so can persecuted. deny to talk to you what a concept your story
0: okay what the hell happened oh, my headphone cut off okay I'm back alright and more good Tuesday news day new national monument spans 1 million sacred acres linking Indian reservations to Grand Canyon this is a story in the good news network and Mr. Um, let's see, is there a byline with this one? I'm Andy Corbley. I'm always I'm always linking his stories, it seems like.
1: He's just a positive From guy. The,
0: yeah, well it is the good news network. <laughs> Dot org. Okay. One million acres of public land in the north, south, and northeast of Grand Canyon National Park have been officially turned into a national monument after lobbying efforts by American tribal nations. English is to be called Ancestral Footprints of the Grand Canyon National Monument based on the translation of the proposed name by the Havasupai and Hopi nations of Ita aitakvini which means Where our Ancestors roam." I hope there's a really quick way to say that. <laughs> Bajnuadjo-Jekalikini. A new, new monument protects thousands of cultural and sacred sites, places. You no, know, this thing needs a sound X on it to pronounce these things. Yeah. The new the new monument protects thousands of cultural and sacred sites, places of natural beauty like spring fed waterfalls or gray mountain called De by the Navo, which are precious to tribal nations in the Southwest. The 12 tribes that joined together as part of the lobbying efforts included the. Avasupai tribe, Hopi tribe, Hualapai tribe, Navajo Nation, Yovapai Apache Nation, Apache Nation, Pueblo of Zuni, the Colorado River Indian Tribe, and the five separate bands of the Paiute. Being Part of this announcement means everything to me, stated Interior Secretary Deb Highland, the first Native American Cabinet Secretary herself, uh, Laguna Pueblo. After the establishment of the Grand Canyon National Park in 1919, the Havasupai people were driven out from their lands. Their story is one that is similar to many tribes in the Southwest who trace their origins to the Grand Canyon and, and to the plateaus and tributaries that surround it. These special places are not a pass-through on the way to the Grand Canyon. They are sacred and significant and deserve protection. The designation is subject to valid existing rights and will not prevent the development of valid existing mining claims. However, the establishment of the monument makes the moratorium on new mining in the hysteria area established under the Obama administration de facto permanent. The new monument will be split between three separate conservation districts, linked via existing boundaries of the Grand Canyon National Park. The first will be directly south in the South Rim Visitor Center. The eastern portion will reach out to the north easternward terminus of the protected part of the canyon adjacent to the Navajo Reservation. The final and larger section will cover all the country between the canyon north of the Supai and Kaibab Indian Rays... Kaibab... indian reservation on the border with utah and that's our short but sweet good news as we expand a national monument for indigenous people to have forever and ever are until a fascist takes over that wants their minerals your story
1: isn't that the truth okay that's you, <laughs> fascist well, that's takes what over.
0: happens yeah. Oh shit, they've got stuff we need. Sorry about that treaty we signed. Fuck
1: that treaty. It's happened, yeah. It's happened many times in the history of the United States. In Culture News, the Edinburgh Fringe is back. But is it still the heart of the comedy scene? This is a mm-hmm. article by Brian Logan. Somebody is crying themselves famous. Somebody has been forced to sleep for a month in a nuclear bunker somebody has replaced their labia with two sides of beef. It can only be the Edinburgh Fringe, a varied attention seeking and all his life is here as ever. Beyond that, opinions diverge. Depending on whom you listen to, Fringe 2023 is an atrocity against mental health, social justice and artists bank account. Or, it is a phoenix from the ashes rebirth of the world's biggest arts festival after the COVID hiatus and last year's tetchy partial re-emergence. Like an ear to the wind, you can hear the sound of pandemic demons being laid to rest. For two years or so, we wondered whether the festival would ever rise again. Crowds cocooned in dank cellars, in a drink city where everyone catches the fringe flu, turns out audiences have responded with a resounding, oh, yes, please. Box office income is set to be back up to immediate pre-COVID levels when the fringe reached its zenith of bloat, and that is with a program significantly smaller than 2019. Shows are selling, which tends to inoculate everyone involved, artists, venues, agents, and PRs against the festival's well-documented downsides. Of course, the downsides haven't disappeared. A queer scratch group from the US called Alphabet Soup are sequestered beneath a Second World War base in the absence of anything affordable above ground. Staying at a nuclear bunker is crazy, one of them told an interviewer. Something long and traditional in American culture is fearing the Russians. I don't wake up a day without thinking of Putin. Not the ideal start for a festival day. Frustrations persist with Edinburgh Festival Fringe Society, which may perceive to be doing a little to address accommodation costs, particularly given the seven million pound it is spending on its new HQ. Those who see all this as an unsustainable look of darkly to New York, where five prominent fringe festivals have shut down since 2015, most recently the big hitting Under the Radar, which was pulled this summer. Does the same fade away Edinburgh? It has long been predicted. You could point to the increase this year in comics doing shorter runs or performing works in progress instead of finished shows or not coming to the fringe at all none of last year's nine nominees for the edinburgh comedy award nor the reigning best newcomer has a with the full show show purely at first profits of doom look to the new roundhouse comedy festival in london running simultaneously and featuring a host of big names sophie duker jordan brooks Catherine ryan and see the writing on the wall in terms of Edinburgh's centrality to the comedy world. They might have to, they might have a point. Had the Edinburgh Comedy Award not survived the near-fatal loss of its sponsor this spring, but the award, a big draw for comics, is back, baby, thanks to new funders, announced last month. In a swaggering speech on the festival's opening weekend, the organizer, Nika Burns, promised, we're here to stay. It feels like an open field for this year's edition of Live Comedy Most Prestigious Prize. Old-timer Frank Skinner, who won the award in 1991, is in town all month. His presence, telling knob gags in repurposed lecture theatre at 66, is either an inspiration or a warning to this year's smooth-cheeked runners and riders. Who might they be? I expected American clown act Bill O'Neill to appear with his spoof circus daredevil show The Amazing Banana Brothers. Kieran Hodgkins, a multiple nominee in years gone by, will feature with his crowd-pleasing show about moving to Scotland, unless his television roles, including a part as Gordon in the BPC comedy Two Doors Down, disqualify him. The show being spoken of in the most hushed tones is Tragedy Plus Time by Ed Byrne, about the death last year of his brother, the comedy director Paul Byrne. But the Irish man is too well established to qualify for this award. He was on the short list in 1998 before several years of contenders were born. I would look instead to towns such as Julia Malsi, the UK-based Estonian, whose late-night clown show, ha 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 ha, an uproarious, un- up- and tender communal therapy session, has just extended its run by popular demand at a festival where hot gossip has surrounded the breakup of the comedies. Golden couple Stuart Lee and Bridget Christie, maybe it's time to anoint their inheritors. Malzi and her partner, Vigo Venn. Venn recently won Britain's Got Talent. Don't be against Malzi bagging a prestigious prize of her own. Oga Koch and Ania Maguliano, Dan Tiernan, Lorna Rose Treen, and Lila Navibi are likely inclusion too, when the award shortlist drops on the 23rd of August. What are these ex talking about? You can pick out any theme you want, from the unimaginably vast fringe, Care and Caring, and shows such as Ben Targets' Lorenzo and Hannah Maxwell's Nan, me and Barbara Pravi. Council culture? Not so much. Comedians are bored with the topic. For all that Rose rage and elsewhere on the fringe about gender-critical MP Jonah Cherry's booking at the stand comedy club or posters subject to puritanical censorship, I have seen a few shows by artists of color about the burden of representation, which must feel cute in Edinburgh where audiences skew very white, but the subject feels bigger than that, as their identity politics is starting to buckle under the weight of its internal contradictions. We are living in an age of this is me, so fewer comics make shows about anything other than themselves. This is certainly true of fringe newcomers almost all of whom respond to the challenge of making the first solo show by creating a 55-minute autobiographical calling card. This is who I am, what is sellable about me, with a few jokes mixed in. This is still, then, the festival that makes novice entertainers' dreams come true, even if it pays to be strategic about the process, and even if some of them sleeping on spare sofas in out-of-town town types or in underground bunkers get a bit mildewed as they go about it. Goodiness knows the Fringe has problems to solve. So far this year, has been easy to forget them. As artists and audiences meet one another by thousands, the sun shines, just a little, and the clouds of Kogan begin to disperse. So there's your little opinion piece there by Brian about the Edinburgh Fridge and how, even though London is yet again trying to be the epicenter of something, Edinburgh is not going to let them become the epicenter like, of it of comedy easily i
0: like edinburgh i want to go i yeah. went to their blues remember the blues festival they had there i wanted yeah. to go to more go to more venues but alas time limits plus things sell out you can't go yeah. there's no tickets available all right then well today we do uh this day in history da, 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 da. In 1057, Macbeth, king of Scots, was killed in the battle in battle by Malcolm, El, eldest son of Duncan I. So, there you go. The 15, <laughs> nothing to say except I remember when they said the Stuart dynasty was came from Macbeth, which was complete fabrication. I wonder where they ever started. But I was told that when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah that was complete fabrication. Didn't come from there at all. 1534 St Ignatius of Lo- of Loyola led companions who would become co-founders of the Jesuit order to Montmartre Paris where the first Jesuits took their vows so there you go 1534 the first Jesuits 1879 actress Ethel Barrymore who is considered the first lady of American theater was born in Philadelphia the start of the Barrymore acting family 1914, after 10 years of work, the Panama Canal opened for ships. So happy birthday to the Panama Canal. 1935, American entertainer Will Rogers and aviation pioneer Wiley Post were killed in a plane crash near Point Barrow, Alaska. Yep, there's actually a the Oklahoma Airport, it's called the Will Rogers Airport. And there's also a Wiley Post Airport. In oh, Oklahoma. wow. Yeah, named after, yeah, aviator who. Apparently he couldn't fly that well because he crashed. 1948, Sigmund Rhee announced the establishment of the Republic of Korea, which is now known as South Korea. 1960, the Republic of Congo gained independence from France. Always oh, happy birthday to South Korea! Don't forget that. Uh, and Congo. So three, at least three, uh, two countries started today. Maybe three. 1971. Bahrain for pro- re- 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 in independence from the United Kingdom so we had three countries that started today maybe there's more, I don't know in 1979 after troubled production Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now was released in theaters it became a film classic known for performances by Marlon Brando and Robert Duvall whose character famously said that he loves the smell of napalm in the morning but he says it. <laughs> I love this melon palm in the morning. Yeah. Smells like. Famous.
1: Famous line. Victory. Smells like victory. In
0: 1998, a car bomb exploded in Omagh, Northern Ireland, killing 29 people and leaving more than 200 in- injuries. The Real Irish Republican Army, the Real IRA, a IRA splinter group, claimed responsibility for the bombing which was the deadliest attack in Northern Ireland. It was not the Judean's people front, it was the people's front of Judea. And little, little Python joke for everybody, because... Anyway, 2013, scientists at the Smithsonian announced the discovery of Olaguito, the first carnivore species to be discovered in the American continent's... In 35 years, the small arboreal animals live in the cloud forests of Colombia and Ecuador. In 2021, the Taliban regained control of Kabul, Afghanistan, as U.S. troops withdraw from the country in a previously arranged treaty. 1947 is our featured event. It is the independence of another country, India. So four countries got their independence today for keeping score at home or... What do you say if you're scoring at home or even if you're alone? After three decades, the Indian, the Indian independence movement, led by Mahatma Gandhi, achieved its goal on this day in 1947 as a free and independent India was established, ending nearly 200 years of British rule. Birthdays today. Jennifer Lawrence was born this day in 1990. Ben Affleck was born in this day in 1972. Melinda Gates Bill Gates' uh, wife, American businesswoman and philanthropist. was born in 1964. And Alexandro Iñarito, Eñ- Mexican director and producer, was born in 1963. So he's turning 60. And Anne, Princess Anne, British royal, was born this day in 1950. Another famous birthday, Napoleon, Napoleon. Oh no, yeah, Napoleon was born on this day in August 15th, 1769. The original Napoleon, not in them cheap imitations. And what <laughs> what day is it today? Are you curious, even a little yes. bit? What day it is today? It is National Leathercraft Day. So, National
1: Leathercraft Day. Leathercraft-
0: Make something out of out of cow skin. And it's also VJ Day. In other words, victory over Japan, where Japan just said, "Okay, stop dropping bombs and stop dropping atom bombs on us. We give up." National Lemon Meringue Pie Day. So, so leather and lemon meringue go together, just like peas and um, whatever. Peas and mash. <laughs> Pe- <laughs> peas and oranges. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> peas National. And Wow. meringue pie and leather okay. and the only other day it is it's national relaxation day where I'm going to practice that almost immediately
1: <laughs> okay
0: only done well four this days. has now-
1: been Allison here from the Netherlands excited to be not relaxing all day because I don't have time for that <laughs> I'm going to be busy all day for the next week and I uh, hope to see you tomorrow for some more Before Coffee, your father-daughter new show you didn't ask for.
0: <laughs> and this is Roger, going to count indictments in a 41, 41 indictment with 19 defendants. <laughs> I'm going to read that and count indictments and counts and go to sleep like they're sheep. I don't yeah. know. I'm not talking very well this morning. This is Roger United States saying goodbye on all the news of the comprehensive news of planet Earth on August 15th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.